Blog Talk Radio. Which means good morning in the ancient Paleo Hebrew. 
I'm your brother, your friend, your host, as always, Kazapa. Welcome to the show, y'all. Uh, shouts out to the 12 tribes scattered worldwide, man. Welcome to Blog Talk, Bible Talk. Um, hope everybody is, everybody is healthy. Hope everybody had a safe, healthy weekend, a good Shabbat. Um, want to send shouts out to all our affiliated schools around the country, around the globe. If it's your first time tuning in, we are Hebrew Israelites, Hebrew being our language, Israelite being our nationality, and we are, in fact, the people of the book through biblical texts, through historical texts, all proven, man, and we pride ourselves on here at Blog Talk Radio. Bible Talk is to prove all things like the Bible tells us to do so, in First uh, Thessalonians chapter five and verse twenty one, man. So uh, let me go ahead and dive in, man. So what I do, y'all, if it's your first time tuning in, is I do about an hour of current events news um, before I get into the topic. And this topic uh, this morning. It's a topic of, of a class that I've been working on for quite some time, a series of classes entitled Never Wax Pale, man. And uh, it says the beginning of the end, part three. I'm just reading off the prompt, y'all. But uh, that's a, this is a continuation of a class. Um, like I said, I, quite, I started quite some time ago showing that the Hebrew Israelites, the so-called black, uh, brown people, Native American people of this country, and scattered abroad, or in fact, the people of the book, and uh, been using a lot of historical information to bring that to light. All right, Lobby, I got you. Sorry, I'm getting a uh, text in real quick. Give me just a second. <clears throat> yeah, so I've been using a lot of historical text um, and linking it with the Bible. To, uh, like I said, First Thessalonians to prove all things, man. I want to send shouts out to our affiliated schools, like I said, the brothers here in San Antonio, um, a war, Shamshawan, Dariyad. Also sending shouts out to Kwatazap uh, um, down in H Town, and sending shouts out to uh, Kazakia and the crew up in VA. And Zainala up in Rochester, and also um, our new uh, additions to uh, the sheepfold, so to speak, our brothers up in Canada and Cali. Uh, also, the sending shout out to the brothers out in Albuquerque, uh, New Mexico, and shout out to Cabo Cobb down in Guatemala. So let me go ahead, y'all, and dive into it because I got a lot of articles. And I'm, I'm really going to say articles. I got a lot of clips. I got a lot of clips, man. And I think I have like one article that I want to share with y'all this morning. So let me go ahead and dive into it like I always start. Let's get Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, 
and forgive us our forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So this is the prayer we need to be sending up on a daily, brothers and sisters, so we can get the hell on, man. Get up out of this demonic place. Um, let's go to Psalms chapter 118 and verse 24. This is the day which the Lord had made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So good or bad, happy or sad, the most high boss you to it, he'll bring you through it, and you'll come out better on the other side because of it, y'all. Unfortunately, we have to be here in this demonic place awaiting the return of our Messiah, who the world calls Jesus, who we know as Yahweh Shai, waiting for him to come deliver us out of this place, man. But we have to also put it in perspective, man. The Most High brought us here for our disobedience to him. And we got to take, like I said, the good and the bad, man, because the Most High does both. Contrary to what religion teaches, contrary to what the church teaches, the Most High does, in fact, do good, and he does evil. I just had a conversation with, uh, who was I talking to, man? Oh, the brother Baraka Yah was talking to him, and he was uh, telling me he had, was having discussions with some, some Christian folk, some religious folk, and it was talking about God is love. And I was like, yeah, man, you know, uh, it seems like that's one of the key scriptures they like to hold on to in the New Testament, uh, that oh, really? How I get to it? I, I'm sorry, y'all. I had another text that came in. So the chat room is now yeah. open, y'all. Uh, real quick, real quick. Right, if you're looking up on the page, do you see um you see where it says on air, right? Yeah. And then next on there, you see where it says invite guests and co-hosts, right? Yep. Do you see where it says in episode? Yep. Below in episode, you see where it says episode info and also chat. Chat. Got you. I see it. Click the chat. I like this. It's hot. Okay. So, Michelle. So, if people, if, people, if people go to the on the web browser, right now we're in the studio. So, the, the people that, that go to the web browser, they can't see this, but if you go, if they go through the, the link, www.blogsalready.com, first ask Mashaba, when they pull that page up, they'll see that same chat room. It's on, it's on, the, it's on the web page. Nice. So, if they, if they want to chime in or if you want to uh, share some of your articles, you can share it uh, in the chat room right there, and everybody will be able to read along with you in the articles. Oh, that is tight, huh? Okay. I'm, I'm, still trying to, I'm still trying to find out a way how to hook the, leak this with the Facebook, uh, Facebook comments so that now as, as the show is going live, 
people on Facebook, if they want to comment from Facebook, they can make comments from Facebook and it'll come directly on, on here. So I'm still working it out. So so back to you in the studio. <laughs> oh, that's really good. <laughs> <laughs> You sounded like you always wanted to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Anyway, uh, uh, that was my brother, Mashaba, man. We've been doing this show for, man, well over 10 years now. My partner in crime, man, no doubt, my brother. Um, I forgot exactly where I was at, what I was saying, man, but... uh, let me just go ahead and dive in. Oh, no, that's what I was talking about. I was talking about um, how Christian religious folks, man, they always pull the scripture, God is love, God is love. And this is how you know people don't read the Bible. You can go back to Genesis, the, the ninth and 10th chapters, and you can see that God is not just love. Because in those chapters, you'll read about how God, the most high, flooded the whole world and only survived eight people. Those eight people being Noah, his wife, Noah's three sons, and their wives. It's like, you know, people don't read the Bible. So how is it that God only does good, but he don't do evil? That was evil. And when I say evil, I don't mean evil in the sense of it's going against God and his principles. I mean evil in the sense that People think that that was wrong, or people think that that was so awful. But we know that all the things that the Most High do are righteous, man. He cleansed the earth of the wickedness that was on the earth. No different than he's going to do it. The second coming of his son, Christ, Yahweh Shai, it's no, it's no different. But God does, does do evil. He does do good, and he does bad. Remember the five cities of Sodom and Gomorrah? Remember those cities? What happened to them? He destroyed them and only survived how many people in that city? Three people. It was really, he started off with a spade's hand. He had three in the possible. Because <laughs> it was Lot, his, three, his, uh, two, his two daughters, and his wife. She was the possible. Because she could have made it, but what happened? She kept turning around looking, looking at what she was losing out on. And the Most High had to turn into a pillar of salt. But those five cities were destroyed, y'all. Hell, San Antonio, I believe, is at, I think, one and a half to two million people, I believe, just the city of San Antonio, a metropolis. So how many people you think was in five cities? Think about that. Five cities. That's a lot of people, man. But the Most High murked them. Murked them because of their wickedness. And only survived, like I said, or like the Bible says, three people. Don't take my word for it, y'all. Go go back in the books. Go back and study, man. Go back in the book. Anyway, let me get off my soapbox. And let me get into, like I said, y'all, I got some clips, man, this morning. So let me make sure my volume is good before I play the first one, man. And this one right here is from um, a website or a, a YouTuber, and her uh, site is 
petty blog, petty blog, petty blog. So check this out, y'all. Commercial. Hold on, y'all. Hang on. Here we go. Gender that she was assigned at birth. 
I'm like, man, where where we at? This is where we at right now? For real? This is insanity, man. Anyway, let me play on. Now, this is just hilarious response to this. What if I can kind of stand up for us? <laughs> what if I stand up for us? And us, I mean women, real women, biological women, women who were born with all the parts that you guys wish that you were. Um, when does the delusion stop? What is the difference between um, you and someone who has been um, diagnosed to be mentally insane? Bam. Did you hear what she said? She said, what's the difference between you and somebody that's been diagnosed as mentally insane? I just alluded to that. She probably just don't, she don't, probably don't know how much truth she's speaking right now. Let me play it on. What's the only difference is you don't have a straight jacket on. Stop talking on your fucking ass. Wake up. How are you projecting your anger on real women? Because we are the gatekeepers. We are the gatekeepers for periods. We're the only one that fucking bleed, honey. We're the only ones that can give birth. We make y'all people. We make y'all. Y'all come. You can't be us. You will never. You're chasing something you'll never, ever get. You'll never be that. Hello. Hello. Now let's take a look at some of the reactions. This person, bro, it's a war on women, and I'm tired of it. Ain't that the truth? This person, bro... I've never seen somebody want a period so bad. Rolling eyes emoji. Y'all can have my cramps because they be taking me to F out. Hello? The hear said, my God, this world is going to shit. The ignorance. This woman, bro, what the F is this? Don't give us made-up acronyms. We are women. Hello? <laughs> and this woman wrote, how about we collectively say F it and not care about them calling us transphobic because... No. I got two more I want to play. I'm running out of time, so I can't play this whole thing about the comments. And y'all can comment, man. Shoot me y'all comments and give me y'all take on this nonsense. So um, where's the next one? So I want to play y'all this one. Check this out. And this is from um, a brother named Anton Daniels. Another YouTuber. Now I want y'all to be confused. So who y'all who y'all listening to right now is one of the letter people. This is a trans dude, and he's just going on a rant right here. Check this out. A lot of real women are unhappy. A lot of real women are really unhappy. A lot of real women are really insecure. And a lot of real women are really bothered that trans women really look better than they really do. Do they really want this real world? But you can have it. Girl, you can have it. Girl, it's not my fault that you mistaken my happiness and my femininity as a challenge. Sweetie, when I was identifying how feminine I was and how far I wanted to go and how I wanted my inside to mess my outside, I had nothing to do with you. Okay? Because it seems like y'all only have so much to say when it comes to competition. It really seems like y'all only have so much to say when it comes to tearing somebody else down. Girl, don't nobody want to be you. Girl, don't nobody want to be you. Let's be clear. This thing, a lot of you don't want to be you. Bitch, I speak very frequently and openly about my penis, about the type of sex I have, about the type of men that I'm attracted to. Girl, don't nobody want to be you. This is where we at, y'all. Listen to what 
this dude is saying. He's talking about he speaks openly about his penis. And let me see it. So the dude name that does this, uh, you, the YouTuber's name is Anton Daniels. Y'all, y'all get an opportunity. Go and check it out so y'all can see what this dude look like. Looks like a straight-up woman. Straight-up woman. But he's talking about how he's open about his penis. And like I said, look like a straight-up woman. Anyway. You, y'all are just mad that people are really out here moving and happy, and y'all are really mad that people are being mistaken for you and getting more respect than you do. That has nothing to do with us. That is not a reason why you should be disrespecting us and trying to make it a big thing. You're not going to want no period.
reason being because they're rampant down there. And they ain't your average punk down there. You got muscle-bound punks and heels down there. Real talk. It's the type of place where when you go to the bathroom, you got to be watching. You better lock the stall behind you. That's what type of place Atlanta is, y'all. Let me play the article or the other, other clip. Let me keep going. No man was out here advocating for this. I've never heard it before in my life. I've never seen a man in my life going to advocate for this. But these were your best friends. These were your bad bitches. These were the people that were sitting in your living room. They hung out with you in your bedroom. And not only did you fight against it, uh, as far as fight against other people having an opinion on what it is that people could do, but you advocated for it. You did. You supported it. You advocated for it. And I love what he's saying, man, because what women did, what our women did was they made it acceptable to be this way. When you should have been like, no, man, you should be ashamed of yourself. You know, y'all should have been checking them instead of trying to hang around with them. Hold my purse. Go to the store with me. Let's go shopping. Let's, Let's pick out makeup. It is y'all damn fault because y'all should have been shaming these punks from the very beginning. Tell them you ain't a woman. You're a man. Hey, go get you a woman. Hey, get them spirits off you. Hey, that ain't right. But y'all wasn't saying that. Y'all was condoning it, making them feel comfortable when they came around you, when you should have been making them feel uncomfortable showing them that something was wrong with them mentally. Anyway, wait on. The part of your DNA was a part of how you was rocking, and now you got to deal with the consequences. So now we see women coming to the front of the congregation and saying, look, who's going to protect us? You. You're going to have to protect yourself. Or get the people that you were aligned with to protect you. Now they're coming against you. Not only do they want to compete against you, that you're supposedly... Uh, in competition with other biological women to get. But now you have to be in competition with things like that. Hmm. That's disrespectful to God. No doubt. Now we now we rearrange who we are. How much time will pass before we get to the ultimate stage to where there will be no difference? Like if we advance technology as a human race to the point to where people can biologically well, not biologically, but physically change their outward appearance, and now they're advocating for somehow to be their inward. Like, how much longer? Like, I'm putting nothing past being a human being at this point in my life because this shit is disrespectful, right? This is just nasty. For me, it's nasty, but no man has ever got to worry about this because no man is worried about competing with a transsexual or a person that's changing themselves but can never truly biologically biologically be any different than what it is that they are. See, we're not affected by it because men that's winning is just going to continue to win, right? But y'all taking over your sports, <laughs> trying to get all of the benefits and none of the weaknesses. I talked about this last night. Trying to get all of the benefits. They don't want your period. They don't want your problems. They don't want your issues. But you know what they want? You know what they want? They want to look like you. They want to talk like you. They want to walk like you. They want to use your bathrooms. They want all of the benefits that come along with being a woman as far as the provision and protection for society and the 
the, the love and the advocacy and the laws and the legislation and all of it is the exact same thing that women was fighting men for yeah. is the same thing that men are now fighting women for. No doubt. Idea. No doubt. I agree with him 100%. Now, check this one out. This is Dr. Umar Afunte. Afunde. I'm probably butchering his name, not intended, but this is his take on it, and I agree with him also. Hold on, y'all. Commercial. Please speak about a comedian, Jess Hilarious, who has been receiving a lot of backlash for her comments, where she stated, uh, I'm not quoting directly, it just is that trans women are not biologically the same as women. I stand with my sister, Jess Hilarious. I'm glad she took the stand because so many black women are afraid to speak up. First of all, I want to make sure people understand what I perceive to be the clear threat in this instance. And I don't know if you can remember, about a year ago, I was on Fox Soul uh, with the Tammy Mack show. And she had a conversation on black male-female relationships. It was myself and... Hey, Mishaba, find the one where it says uh, the most high made man upright. That's a good one, too. I was talking about uh, for the chat, y'all. Let me go back to the article or the uh, clip. Another biological male. It was a biological female. And the other person who I thought was a biological female was a artificial woman, meaning he's a biological male. Tammy Mack nor her producers warned us that it would not be two women, two biological women and two biological men. She snuck the transgender in and didn't tell us. Why would a black woman be having a biological male, a.k.a. artificial woman, discussing women's issues, black women's issues, as if he were a woman. I said then that black women better stand up and speak out against this because the American white power structure is engineering a situation where the natural voice of the biological black woman will be permanently silenced and replaced with artificial women, biological men, I hope y'all are understanding what he's saying. This brother's so on point, man. He's saying that Esau is replacing sisters with men to do their bidding. I hope y'all understand this. You know, it was a quote from uh, Elijah Muhammad, I think it was, years back. And this is one of the few things I actually agree with him on. He said that... Uh, a nation can rise no higher than this woman. And in a lot of respects, he's right, man, because who gets attacked first in all societies? It ain't the men. It's the women. But why do they attack the women? That's scriptural. Or scriptural. That's the Bible. Because, like the scriptures tell us, she's the weaker vessel. You got to infiltrate somehow. You, Like Christ said, the only way you can sneak in and, and spoil a, a, a strong man's house is first you got to bind him down. How do you bind him down? You go out to his woman. That's his weakness. All throughout history, 
What's been a man's quickest downfall? It's been a woman. Go back to the garden, Eve. After the garden, who was it? It was Samson and Delilah. <laughs> After that, Solomon. Uh, matter of fact, before that, what was the brother's name that uh, was dealing with Jezebel, the king? He was the king, the, I believe he was the northern king of Israel. He's after a woman. They know what they're doing, man. His brother's on point what he's saying. Who will be standing in and speaking as if they're real black women. And the threat in this is the fact that what really matters to black women will never be discussed in a public forum because the government can control the narrative of the black woman by using these biological men disguised as women. So just, what just hilarious doing is important. It's critical that it gets done. We're not going to allow her to get canceled. She's doing the right thing. A biological man can never be a biological And please believe it, she is going to get canceled, y'all. <laughs> he said we're not going to allow We don't control that. He doesn't control that. She's going to get canceled because this is the world we live in. You can't say nothing about them people without them coming for you. A woman. He will never get a menses. His breasts will never develop milk. He will never carry a child. Last time I checked, women have an XX chromosome. Men have an XY, if I'm not mistaken. It doesn't matter how much sexual reassignment surgery you get. You will never have a double X chromosome. Men cannot be women. They can only be made to look like them. Women cannot be men. They can only be made to look like them. But here's the difference. I don't really see biological women living as artificial men trying to speak for black men. I don't see that. I'm seeing biological men living as artificial women trying to speak for black women. And I think the reason why this agenda is in play is black women, unfortunately, not because there's anything wrong with her, but because of the oppression of black men, she's the leading I hate when they do this. Sorry, y'all. Damn commercial. And even political voice. The black woman is the most educated in our community. The black woman is the most financially stable in our community. So from the perspective of the white power structure, the way that they're seeing, we've already neutralized black men as much as we can for now. We now got to work on these black women who are becoming increasingly more militant and politically conscious. They, they see the woman. And how did they neutralize black men, y'all? By using the woman to neutralize the black man, the brown man. This is what they did. They gave them power by way of a career by way of a job. So now I make my own money. I got my own career. I can make my own decisions, and you can't tell me nothing, nigga. This is all by design, y'all. Black woman as a threat now. They used her to subdue the man. Now we got to subdue her. So what we're going to do is use these artificial women, these biological men, the squads, the squads, the squads of black women, and we're going to let them be the mouthpiece so we can control the narrative. I hope sisters recognize how important what Just Hilarious is doing. You cannot let the white power structure silence your voice and replace you with biological men disguised as women. The last point I want to say 
on this issue with Jeff Hilarious as it relates to the racist agenda to replace the authentic biological black woman's voice with an artificial biological man's voice disguised as a black woman. Black women have to take some responsibility for this because black women, many of them, were open proponents of homosexuality. Black women thought it was cute. They thought it was funny. They mm. had black male friends. Mm. They hang out with black gay men. The reason black women got to be held partially responsible for this transgender issue where they want to silence their voice with an artificial woman's voice is if you supported homosexuality as much as black women did, you, you allow black men to go to the edge of the diving board. Now he wants to jump off the diving board into the water. He says, I no longer want to just be gay or act as a woman. I want to live as a woman. That's the leap that was made from homosexuality to transgender. So although I'm standing in solidarity with my black queens, I need them to understand y'all helped give birth to this biological man reborn as artificial black woman phenomena that the government is now going to try to use to silence your voice. Black women helped encourage this move. They didn't know it would lead to this, but I need them to see how not looking long enough or being visionary enough, looking at the long-term consequences of the stuff that we support, you actually provided the momentum Mm. for the transition from homosexual artificial one. I think the reason a lot of black women were comfortable with black gay males is number one, they accepted them. The black gay male was able to understand them. Now listen to the psychology that this brother drops. The way that they wish the heterosexual black male would. Black women have a need to be accepted and honored by black men. For women who could not get that from a heterosexual, they substituted it socially for the homosexual. In other words, a black woman wants a close relationship with her father. She can't find a black man to have that type of intimacy with, not sexually, but psychologically. But the gay black male can do that for her. The black woman needs a man to talk her issues through. She can't talk about the rape with her dad. He don't understand. She can't talk about the molestation with her brother or her uncle. She can do it with the gay black man. So I believe the gay black man for the black woman became a substitute Mm. upon which she could thrust a lot of her internal issues that she never felt comfortable with enough discussing with heterosexual male. And it's not the fact that he's gay. It's the fact that he can take perspective better because he's trying to be her. You see it with the childhood transgender movement, these young children. And, of course, in California, sexual... Re- Listen to what he's about to drop, y'all. Simon surgery is totally legal. You have children out here, uh, Dwayne Wade's son and others, getting sexual surgery to reinvent themselves in the opposite sex before they're even old enough to responsibly make that kind of a permanent decision for themselves. And we as black people are overlooking the fact 
that this childhood transgender movement, which was refueled by President Barack Obama while he was in office, is nothing other than a form of genocide and extermination. When a boy decides to get sexual reassignment surgery to become an artificial woman, he castrates himself. They remove his testicles from his scrotum. Now, Michelle, but the water, I got to get this scripture, y'all, so y'all understand that not only uh, does this go against um, society as a whole, and it is genocide, it's actually unlawful to have this particular surgery done. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 28, I'm sorry, chapter 23, and we're going to read verse 1, y'all. I ain't making this stuff up. This is this is how you can see that this place is demonic and they're anti, anti the Most High, man, anti Christ. People that look uh, see the word anti Christ in the Bible, and they think of that damn dude on Hellraiser. But no, man, it just means people that's against Christ, it's just against God. Deuteronomy chapter twenty eight verse one: He that is wounded in the stones, or has his privy member cut off shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. Now, what does it mean to have your uh, wounded in the stones? The stones is talking about your family Jews, your testicles. If you were wounded in the stones or you had your private member cut off, such as you have to do to get this surgery so you can transition, it says you shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. You can't even come amongst your people, man. This was a law. This was a law that the most high handed down. Like the scripture tells us, the most high made man upright. It's Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 29. It says, Lo, this only have I found that God had made man upright. Upright. He made a man a man, a woman a woman. But they have sought out many inventions. Who is the day? <laughs> Wicked-ass people, excuse my French, have sought out many inventions. What's the, 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 uh, the transitional surgery? They invented it. They invented it. They came up with it because of the wickedness of their heart, because the lust was on them neck cuffs. Because the mental illness was on them that thick. I'm going to play, continue playing because he's going to drop something else. This is no different than the white man hanging the black man in Reconstruction America. We are now voluntarily castrating ourselves. When they take your testicles out of your scrotum, they can't put them back. They're never having children ever. And y'all, I don't know if y'all remember uh, Lil Boosie a couple of years back in light of this Dwayne Wade situation with his sons. He was on, he did a little segment. He was playing with him. He was like, don't cut off his dog. That's what he was telling him. Don't cut your boy's penis off. And what he said was, man, he ain't even old enough to make decisions about where he want to go to school or if he want to drive a car. It's like, what if he changed his mind? What if he changed his mind in his 30s? 
and decide he want to have kids. You can't go back. Let me finish. When the girl undergoes sexual reassignment surgery to become an artificial man, they remove her ovaries. She's never ovulating again. She's never getting pregnant. Why as we? Why are we as black people allowing our children to make permanent decisions about their ability to reproduce? This is not just a decision about whether you want to be a girl or whether you want to be a boy. No, this is a decision about your capacity to reproduce yourself when you become an adult. Once they reassign you, they castrate and sterilize you. Reproduction is over, and black people so caught up in the LGBT crusade are not seeing the fact that this is not about LGBTQ. This is about the genocide of African people disguised as childhood transgender. And then there's another point, pedophilia. The pedophiles are active supporters of the LGBTQ movement. Why? Why do the pedophiles care about lesbians, bisexuals, homosexuals, and transgenders? If I am a pedophile, I don't want to go to jail. I'm a celebrity. I'm famous. Ritualistic sex is what we do with kids. It's part of our demonic culture. I want pedophilia to become normal. I want it stricken from the criminal code altogether. I'm going to push LGBTQ because if a child is old enough to decide that they want to live their life as the opposite gender, if a child is old enough to decide, I want permanent sexual reassignment surgery, if a child is old enough to decide, I never want to have children, take my testicles, take my ovaries. If an 8, 9, 10, 11-year-old child is old enough to make those three decisions, how can you argue that they're not old enough to decide to have sex? The mm. argument of the pedophile is going to be backed up mm. by this LGBT crusade against our children because in their sick minds, they are rationalizing the argument before the courts. If he's old enough to say, I don't want my testicles, if she's old enough to say, I never want to have children, if he's old enough to say, I want to live my life as a girl, if she's old enough to say, I want to live life as a boy and I don't care about having kids, and she can say this at 12, is she not also old enough to decide when she's ready to have sex? That is going to be the argument that the pedophiles are going to take into court. He right on point, man. He right on point. And if you a sister that thinks, or a brother for that matter, that thinks that, okay, I don't care what the people do as long as they don't um, bother me. It don't affect me. If you one of those go-along to get-alongs, then you're part of the problem, man. If you're making them feel comfortable around you and you, you running to, to be their friends and hang out with them, you part of the problem. You're, you're promoting genocide of your own people. Don't y'all understand that? But to his point and the other brother before this point, it's the woman's fault. 
It's y'all fault. Y'all got to take some responsibility for this. Y'all got to eat this. Book of Job chapter 39. We're going to start at verse 13. Listen to this. It says, Gavest thou the goodly wings unto the peacocks, or wings and feathers unto the ostrich? So it's two birds being here mentioned. Now, it goes on to focus on the ostrich. It says, verse 14. Now, this is what the ostrich do, which leaving her eggs in the earth and warmeth them in dust. So this is a good idea that she thinks, man, I'll just put my eggs in the dirt so they can stay warm. But this is the, the mentality of our women. They think that they white, they weigh is right. That that them that they they always think they're protecting the child, but they're really harming the child. And I'm glad it uses this analogy. If you put some eggs in the dirt, then what's gonna stop somebody from crunching on them, from walking on them and destroying destroying the life of the egg? But that's what our women do. They think oh, I'm protecting them. Oh, oh, I'm getting them ready for life. No, you're not. You're making them vulnerable to society. Reading on. Verse 15. It says, and forget it, that the foot may crush them, or that the wild beast may break them. You're forgetting that there's a whole world of predators out there. There's a whole world of beasts out there gunning for your daughter. You forget this because you're too caught up in, oh, I want to live vicariously through her. Why would you want to do that? Why would you want your daughter to go through the same mess that you went through to get her heart broken like you got your heart broken? And then why would you try to sever the relationship that a daughter has with her father? Why would you do that? Because your daddy failed you as a father? is I guess that's the reason. So you want your daughter to have the same animosity that you had against your daddy or the same inordinate relationship that you had with your father. When I say inordinate, I'm not talking about sexually. Some women did. But I'm talking about the inordinate relationship that you had with him to where he put you on a damn pedestal. And you thought that your, your mess didn't stink. And then now you go into every relationship with that same damn attitude. So I oh, can't no man tell me nothing. Ain't no man going to tell me what to do. I'm talking to Jake Webb. I'm talking to Israelite women. Y'all still got this spirit in y'all. And y'all don't see how detrimental it is to your daughter. She is hardened against her young ones as though they were not hers. You act like, <laughs> oh, that's on her. When she grew up and make bad decisions, oh, I, I, I told her. I tried to tell her. I've been telling her. It wasn't your job for you to tell her, tell her, tell her. It was your job to be a proper example and to work on her respecting her father so that she could have a good relationship with him so when she got in trouble, she'd run to him for protection. Not you, because you can't protect her. You don't know what the hell you're doing. 
Let me read on, though. Verse 16. She is hardened against her young ones as though they were not hers. Her labor is her labor is in vain without fear. So all the work you putting in, you think you putting in, like you trying to be her girlfriend and hang out with her, make her feel comfortable, you always feel the need to protect her, even against her father, <laughs> stupidly. All that work you're doing is in vain because when it goes sour and now all the work you put in is coming back to smack you in the face because now she's disrespectful to you. Now she ain't listening to you. And now who you going to run to? Now you're going to run to the day like, hey, help me out. <laughs> I need your help. <laughs> ain't that something? But you didn't need my help before. You know how you could have helped your daughter? By being an example to your daughter to respect her father by way of you respecting your husband. Verse 17, because God has deprived her of wisdom. I'm going to read this again. Verse 17, because God had deprived her of wisdom. The Most High didn't give her no wisdom. I, I want y'all to understand this. And we can't be mad, brothers, husbands. We can't be mad that our women operate this way. The Most High gave them no wisdom. He created them like this for a reason. You know why? So that we could be leaders, actually lead somebody. Because this has given us practice for leading our nation. A lot of brothers run away from this, though. Be trying to do everything else instead of getting a woman in order for the longevity, the prosperity, the successfulness of their family. And brothers, I'm speaking from experience. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, you get tired of arguing with their ass all the time, but it's needed. Because if you don't advocate for your children, who will? Who will? And you might say, well, why, why a man got to advocate and fight against his woman for the benefit of the kids? Verse 17, because God had deprived her of wisdom. That's why. She don't know what the hell she's doing. She needs a guide. She needs an instruction manual. No different than us as men. We need an instruction manual called the Bible because without it, we just beast. And if a woman doesn't have a guide ahead, she's a beast. She's beastly. Verse 17, because God had deprived her of wisdom, neither had he imparted to her understanding. So what is it that she doesn't understand? She doesn't understand that you want your daughter to have a great relationship with her father a righteous relationship with her father so she won't grow up and be looking for some damn punk to make her feel comfortable discussing these hard topics because that's what led us to where we are today, the letter people. That's what led to it. 
the age-old struggle against man and woman, which goes back all the way to the garden, y'all. But the Most High didn't bless y'all with no wisdom. He didn't bless y'all with no understanding. That's why the man was needed to give y'all the guidance, the instructions that y'all need. Let's go to Lamentations chapter 4. I'm not making this stuff up, man. This is biblical. Y'all can feel some kind of way if you want to, man. But like I said, if you're going against this, you're part of the problem, not the solution. Lamentations chapter 4. Start at verse 1. How does the gold become dim? How has the most fine gold changed? The stones of the sanctuary are poured out in the top of every street. We the sanctuary. We're the church of the most high. First Corinthians three sixteen, you can read that. First Corinthians six and nineteen, it tells us that. So it's talking about us. We the stone. We the sanctuary. But said we pour it out in the top of every street. Now we're just out, running wild, like heathen. With no, with no moral code, with no ethics, with no sense of belonging. Verse 2, the precious sons of Zion, comparable to fine gold, how are they esteemed as earthen pitchers? You know what an earthen pitcher is? It's an ashtray or a damn spit platoon or a wastebasket. We trash now, man. How is it that we were once gold standard, now we damn candy wrappers and potato chip wrappers? Trash. It's the work of the hands of the potter. Listen to this. Even the sea monsters draw out the breath, give suck to the to their young ones. Meaning even a, a sea monster, pick pick Leviathan. Even Leviathan would feed her, her kids, her children. That's a monster. You know, because that's, that's, that's like the worst thing you can call anybody. You're a monster. It's, it's telling you here even a monster will feed her children. It says, the daughter of my people is become cruel like the ostrich in the wilderness. That same ostrich that the Most High said he didn't give wisdom to, he didn't give understanding to, well, our women is being compared to that ostrich, and it says here that she's become cruel because she won't feed her children. She won't feed her daughter with the knowledge, wisdom, and understanding of the Most High. Don't get it twisted, y'all. I ain't talking about food here. It's using food as a metaphor. It's talking about spiritual food. Like we use the term loosely, food for thought. This is what it's talking about. You won't feed your daughter with the knowledge, wisdom, understanding of the most high that says what? Women, submit yourselves unto your husband, unto the Lord. Why why is that so important? So you could Reproduce yourself as that righteous woman in your daughter. And then you know what happens? 
she'll re- reproduce that same thing in her daughter, and then her daughter after that, and then her. It will it will continue for generations, and in turn, guess what we'll have? A prosperous nation. Why? Because everything would be in order, and then the man wouldn't have to spend so much of his damn time arguing with you when he could be doing other things to uplift the nation, to uplift the people. Think about that, y'all. Let's get Ecclesiastes, chapter 26 and verse 10. I'm sorry, I'm running a little over, man. I said I was not going to do this. Um. Please ask because chapter 26 and verse 10. It says, if thy daughter be shameless, and let's be honest, most of our daughters, our young girls, they are shameless, y'all. That's why you see them, and they want to wear little to nothing, or everything is revealing. And, you know, it just puzzles me how they just walk around functioning Like, everything is everything. And I'm like, man, you got on some drawers outside. You running around nipples, turkey, poking through the shirt because you ain't got no dope bra on. That's shamelessness. You ain't shaming nothing. You just exposing yourself for the world, and you don't care about the repercussions of it. Talking about now, listen. It says, "If thy daughter be shameless, keep her in straightly." Meaning what? You better put her on lock because ain't no telling what she gonna do. She will expose herself and give herself to anybody. So guess what, mama? That felt you need to protect your daughter from dad. She gonna bring home that baby, and now. You're going to be raising her baby. I know this story is not unique. We've all heard this story. Teenage, pregnant, little girl, gives birth, come home. Now she with the mom, and the mama got to continue to raise her. She did such a poor job at it, but now she's raising the baby also. Kids raising kids. What did Christ say? If the blind lead the blind, they both shall end up in the ditch. How the hell this young mother is going to raise this daughter successfully? She ain't. It's not going to happen. But it's your fault. Read this again. Ecclesiastes 26 and 10. If thy daughter be shameless, keep her in straightly. Put her on lockdown. It says, lest she abuse herself. How is she going to abuse herself? Through overmuch liberty. You giving her freedom to do whatever. That's why she talked to you so damn crazy. And you get angry. But you promoted that. You promoted that. When you were disrespecting her father. Because he's supposed to be the head. So she she see you disrespecting him. So she like, oh man. Mama could talk to daddy like that? And dad is the authority. Oh, man. So I could talk to daddy like that, too. You know who else I can talk to like like that? Mama. Because mama just showed me I don't have to respect any authority. 
I hope y'all seeing this, man. This is the second point I want to bring out in light of uh, those clips we just went over. Let's get Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah chapter 31. I'm going to start at verse 21. It says, Set thee up waymarks, make thee high heaps, and set thy heart toward the highway, even the way which thou wentest. Turn again, O virgin of Israel, turn again to these thy cities. We're talking about setting up the waymarks, and uh, it says, Make thee high heaps. Do things the way the Most High told you to do it. Not your way. Now, verse 22, watch this. How long will thou go about, O thou backsliding daughter? For the Lord has created a new thing in the earth. A woman shall compass a man. We asked what the Prophet Paul, why you pull this one? Well, the reason I pull this is because women have compassed men. Women have compassed men in the fact that what they say go. People will listen to them before they listen to a man. People will agree with the woman before they agree with the man. And if the man gets up and says anything, then it's looked at as being toxic, toxic masculinity, man, to where now a woman has surpassed the man because they running everything based on what? How they feel. They feelings <laughs> based off of their feelings. They're controlling the whole globe based off of how they feel. And now, guess what? You got men that want to be like you, and now they're starting to control the world based off of what? Their feelings, how they feel. I feel I'm a man, or yeah, I feel I'm a woman trapped in a man's body. And now who you going toe-to-toe with? Who you going to war with? So a woman has compassed a man. A, a, a real woman has compassed a man and an artificial woman <laughs> has compassed a man. These brothers were saying, and I agree, it's y'all fault. Y'all created this because of y'all disobedience to y'all husband. Because if y'all going against the grain, against the most high, y'all need to go back and read Genesis, the third chapter. Open your eyes up. You got blinders on. All right, I'm going to get this one last one. Man, it is what it is, man. I ain't going to even stress over it. Let me just do do it. All right, this one is from Vibe Magazine, man. NDRE elaborates on critique of a provocative essence fest performances. This is from July 6th. This is old, y'all, but I heard about this on YouTube. I seen her going in, so I dived into the article and was reading. It says, NDRE has clarified her critique of essence festival performances from Megan Thee Stallion and Janelle Monet, after claiming that the provocative displays won't age well. The 47-year-old elaborated that the statement was not personal towards either musician. 
Now, she shouldn't have backed down. She should have came at them and called them out for the hoes that they is, man. The Essence Festival, I don't know if y'all are familiar, but it's held every year down in uh, New Orleans. And from what I know of it, it's basically a family affair. But these hoes is down there twerking on stage. It, it says in this article that Janelle Monet uh, and some other women had pasties on their nipples. They getting buck wild at a family event, man. But look how far we slid as a nation, as a people. This, man, I'm going to come back to this article. This is Deuteronomy chapter 28, man. The most high status is going to happen. Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 56. The tender and delicate woman among you, which would not have ventured to set the sole of her foot upon the ground for delicateness and tenderness. Now, this is way back when, when our women was delicate and tender. Wouldn't even be walking around barefoot. It says, her eyes shall be evil toward her husband. And that's where we at right now, because our women have turned turn shameless. They ain't got no shame in their game. How do you go from not wanting to walk barefoot to where you got pasties on your nipples and you twerking, showing all your booty crack? It says, her eyes shall be evil towards the husband of her bosom and toward her son and toward, guess who? <laughs> her daughter. Your eyes evil towards your daughter. Why? Because you're giving her too much liberty. The women's liberation movement lives deep in your heart. You want to be liberated from your man so you can be a hoe, and you're teaching your daughter how to do the same thing, to be liberated from her father so she could be a hoe. Keep reading on. It says, take it to our Instagram story on Wednesday, July 5th. The brown skin singer explained, in all caps, this is not an issue with any of my sisters, period, in an attempt to provide clarity. This is her quote. I am old school. Long-time affirming voice for women. My record speaks for itself. I love humanity, even all its BS. LOL reads the multi-slide uh, up, upload responded by Hip Hop DX. I ain't going to go over all this, y'all, but basically she was saying that um, it was a family event. There's a time and place for everything. They shouldn't have been out there doing what they was doing, and she got backlash for it. Now, I don't know if you who if y'all know who India Ire is, man, but India Ire goes way back. She's a, a neo soul icon, man, uh, and made very popular by the song she made called "Brown Skin." Man, teaching our women to love themselves. And when you saw the sister, she was always dressed like the scripture says in modest apparel, man, modest apparel. And that's what she was representing, and that's what she uh, was coming in to try to influence our sisters to do. But unfortunately, the machine, that being uh, the world, Esau, the, the ruler of that world, the machine prevailed, man. And this is where we are right now. So she was going in on them. Now, this is what I wanted to bring. This is my two cents. So let's go to Second Ezra chapter 16, verse uh, 49. And it reads, it says, like as a whore, envied a righteous, honest, and virtuous woman. So why didn't her example take, her modesty take? 
Why didn't women uh, gravitate to it? Because a hoe is going to be jealous of a righteous woman, man. This is why when you when you, you see this all the time, it'd be a, a wholesome woman. She dressed modest. Uh, she listened to her husband. Hell, you Israelite women. Who's the main people that's coming at y'all telling y'all, hey, why you got to listen to him? Hey, why why you always, girl, you dressed like an old lady. An old lady. What is an old lady dressed like? Because <laughs> what I see, these women who saying that our women dress like old ladies, all I see them wearing is whole uniforms. So could y'all uh, direct me to the right apparel that a woman is supposed to wear without looking like an old lady? Because it's definitely not your whore tire. But this is why they're coming against y'all, because they're jealous, because they can see y'all modesty, and they see that there's still some type of purity in you, while they have given all that purity away. So they want you to be a hoe like them. You know, like the, the common saying, misery loves company. Birds of a feather. This is why they go and they recruit you to be that hoe. Anyway, y'all done ran way over time, man, for the news. So let me take a, a quick intermission, man, and I'm going to come back on the other side of this, y'all, with the actual class. I'll be right back. All right, y'all, I'm back. Uh, so this is uh, the continuation of the class, Never Wax Tell, the beginning of the end, part three. And what we were going over last week, man, was going over the death of Christ um, and what led to it. And I'm going to continue on that topic uh, this week. Hold on, y'all. Let me find my place where I left off at and find this article we was going over. Here we go. 
All right. So we got as far as Isaiah chapter 53, and I believe we read that whole chapter. Yeah, we did. And we were jumping back and forth. So let's go to Isaiah chapter 53, y'all, just to catch up, man, and refresh. So the series that I'm doing, Never Wax Tell, is uh, I put together, man, to walk us through the Bible. And I started with the split of the kingdom, which happened around 930 B.C., man, and just walking us through the Bible to show that so-called black Hispanics and Native Americans or the Israelites, and I bring out historical uh, proofs to prove what I'm saying and linking history up with the Bible, man. So go back and start at the beginning, y'all, Never Wax Pale, and um, uh, pick up those old episodes, and it'll bring you to the new, get you up to speed, man. So Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 6, and it reads, All we like sheep have gone astray. Now, this particular chapter is talking about Christ, talking about how and talking about how he was going to be crucified, but him being crucified for the sins of Israel. And that's the point I wanted to bring out here and stick to. And you will see as we read on that this ain't talking about the whole world. It says, all we like sheep have done uh, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. Talking about Yahweh So he took on our sins. And I went over this last week. When I read the chapters, Hebrew chapter 10, Hebrew chapter 9, how Christ was the ultimate sacrifice for us being forgiven for our sins. And this is why we don't have to sacrifice animals anymore. But the animal sacrifice was not working because it didn't give us a conscience towards the most high. We just kept killing animals, not understanding what, what, the, uh, what the, the, the symbolism or what the real uh, message the Most High wanted us to get out of it was, hey, man, just change. Change so you won't have to keep killing these innocent animals. Instead, an innocent man had to be put on in hopes that we would get a conscience and, and change and stop doing the wicked stuff we was doing. And that's what it's talking about in Isaiah chapter 53. I'm going to jump down to verse 11. I'm going to read this whole chapter. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. The, the He is the Most High is going to be see the travail of Christ's soul and be satisfied. Why? Because I like I covered last class, Christ became the mediator or the go-between between us and the Most High. This is why the Most High was satisfied. We were being re-adopted to him through Christ, and Christ becoming that mediator. It says, by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. And Christ does justify us because he came in the flesh and experienced the same things that we go through. So now he can advocate to the most high on our behalf because he knows what it feels like to be in the flesh. It says, for he shall bear their iniquity. Hope y'all seeing this. Whose iniquity is he bearing? The Israelites. And iniquity means sin. He bears our sin. He bore our sins, y'all. Not the whole world, because the law was only given to the Israelites. 
And I'm bringing up the law because you can read Psalms chapter, uh, come on, man, 147, verse 19 and 20. Say he only gave his law to the Israelites. Why is this important? Because sin is the transgression or the breaking of the law, according to 1 John 3 and 4. This is why this is important. So if he only gave it to the Israelites, then only the Israelites could be breakers of the law and therefore become sinners. This is why it says, for he shall bear their iniquities, which he did, verse 12. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he had poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors. Who the transgressors, y'all? Us. He was numbered with us. He took on our sin and also the people that was crucified with him. It says, and he bears the sin of the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressor. He was the go-between between us and the Most High. Now let's go to Mark chapter fifteen. Mark chapter fifteen, verse twenty-five, y'all. Where I want to start at uh, verse 25. It says, And it was the third hour, and they crucified him. So this is going back to the uh, Mark's account of Christ's crucifixion. Read it again. Reading it again, verse 25. And it was the third hour, and they crucified him. And the subscription of his accusation was written over the king, written over the king of the Jews. So this is the sign they had written over Christ's head when he was crucified, king of the Jews. And they were basically mocking him. Now let's get Psalms chapter 22 and verse 1. Wait, wait, wait. No, let me keep reading. And with him they crucified two thieves. So when it says he uh, made his portion, with the transgressors, this is what it's talking about, as well as us. It says the one on the on his right hand and the other on his left. And the and the scripture was fulfilled, which said, and he was numbered with the transgressors. Like I just told y'all, we just read this in Isaiah chapter fifty-three, the last verse, verse twenty-nine, and they that passed by. Railed on him. Listen to this. This is us, Israelites, wagging their heads and saying, Ah, thou that destroyed the temple and builded it in three days. So this was us mocking Christ. Because Christ did say he was going to destroy the temple. We're going to get to that in a minute. But let me read on. He says, uh, Save thyself and come down from the cross. Likewise, also the chief priest mocking said among themselves with the scribes, he saved others, himself he cannot save. See how we was mocking Christ, man? Verse 32, let Christ, the king of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. And they that were crucified with him reviled him. And when the sixth hour was come, there was a darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. Verse 34. 
And at and at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is being interpreted, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now, this was prophesied. Let's get Psalms 22 and 1. Psalms chapter 22 and verse 1. Come on, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my ruin? So this is prophesied. This is where it came from in the scriptures. Now let's go to Matthew chapter 27 and verse 26. Matthew 27, verse 26, and it reads, Then released he Barnabas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. So this is talking about uh, Pontius Pilate releasing uh, Barnabas to the people because that's who the Israelites, us, had asked for to be released because we wanted to execute Christ. We wanted him murked. So Pontius Pilate, it says, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him up or delivered him to be crucified. And like I said on the previous broadcast, this one precept don't really do do uh, the crucifixion or the beating of Christ's justice because they beat the hell out of him with that cat of nine tails to where they polarized his flesh and he just his flesh looked like a just piece of bloody mess is what it looked like. And we're going to go a little bit into that and back into that article I was reading too. It says, Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had uh, planted a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head. Now, remember, he was up the whole night sweating blood. Then he got beat down in the morning. Now he just got beat down again with the cat of nine tails. So he's got blood all over him. They ripped the damn robe. Off of, off of his bloody body. Now, uh, blood is sticky, y'all. I don't know if y'all notice this. So imagine you having a, you got you got blood and your blood is oozing out of your flesh all over. And remember, Christ by this time is dehydrated. He's uh, sleep deprived. He's just been beaten. Uh, and these, we know he was dehydrated because he was drinking the night before. Because the night before was Passover. What do we do at, at Passover? We drink. Sometimes we drink a lot. So where he drank a lot or a little, we know he was dehydrated from the alcohol because it's what alcohol do to you. And then, um, like I said, 
They beat him up, roughed him up a little bit, and then he got the cat of nine tails put on him, which bloodied him almost to death. So then they put this robe on him, this purple robe, mocking him, and this crown of thorns on his on his head, and then they stripped the robe, they ripped the robe off of him. Now, you know how painful it is to rip a damn Band-Aid for a fresh wound. But imagine you getting this robe that was sticking to your back because of the blood, the plasma sticky, getting that robe ripped off of your flesh, man. That was painful. This is when they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had uh, planted a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, king of the Jews. Verse 30. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after that they had mocked him, they took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away uh, to crucify him. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they were gone, I'm sorry, when they were come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say a place of skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments casting lots that it might be fulfilled. I'm sorry. Let me read verse 34 again. They gave him vinegar to drink and mingled mingle with gall, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. So this comes from Psalm chapter 69. Let's go there real quick. Psalm 69, verse 19. Psalm 69:19. Thou hast known my reproach and my shame and my dishonor. My adversaries were all before thee. Reproach hath broken my heart, and I am full of heaviness. And I looked for some to take pity, but there was none. And for, and for comforters, but I found none. So who comforted Christ during the time of his beating and crucifixion? Nobody. Verse 21, they gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. See, I hope y'all seeing this, man. This is Christ in the Old Testament. It's for my Old Testament only, brothers. They wrote about him in the Old Testament. I hope y'all see this. It says, uh, let me see. Let's go back now. Let's go to back to Matthew twenty seven thirty five now. It says, And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. So let's get this in Psalms. Go back to Psalms twenty two, we're gonna start at verse sixteen. 
I hope y'all are seeing that. And what I'm really trying to bring out is that Christ's crucifixion was for the Israelites' purpose. Israel, Israel is the only nation he ever gave his life for that he ever cared about, man. This is why you read about what was going to happen to Christ, him being beaten and crucified in the Old Testament, and you read about it in the New Testament. People think that once you get into the New Testament, all the Israelites are just done for, and it's all about the other nations now. That's not so. So Psalm chapter 22 and verse 16. For dogs have compassed me. What did Christ call us? <laughs> dogs. He's also talking about the other nations, too. We rolled in the spirit of the other nations. We were dogs, too. It says, for dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. And I read this last week dealing with the nails that was in his hands and in his feet. And you also read about that after he resurrected, how uh, one of the disciples put their fingers through the nail holes that was in his hand. Reading on verse uh, 17. I may tell I may tell all my bones, they look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. I hope y'all are listening to this, man. This was prophesied, but the same thing took place in the New Testament. Once again, salvation, Christ dying was only for the Israelites, man. Matthew 27, verse 36. And sitting down, they watched him there and set up over his head his accusation written, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Then were, uh, were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and another on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads, and saying, Thou that destroyed the temple and builded it in three days, say thyself, If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. So this is them mocking Yahushua. Remember, they said the same thing in Mark chapter 15, verse 29, him destroying the temple because he told them that he would. But they was not understanding this. First Corinthians 3 and 16. Because they thought, Matter of fact, let me let me just read it first. First Corinthians three and sixteen. And it reads, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwell in you. So when Christ told them that he was going to destroy the temple, <laughs> the temple will re be revived in three days, the temple he was talking about was him. He was saying he was the temple, but they didn't get this. A lot of stuff that Christ dropped on us went completely over our head. They thought he was actually talking about the temple that uh, Herod had uh, reconstructed and basically made it Herod's temple. They thought he was talking about that. So they was all up in arms and mad about that, not understanding that Christ was talking about himself. 
All right, let's go to Matthew chapter uh back yeah, Matthew chapter twenty seven. And what verse was I in? Thirty. Oh, we read all that, right? All right, cool. So let's go to this book now. And the book is titled Caesar and Christ. And let's get a, a secular account, a secular account of Christ's crucifixion. And we're going to go to page 572. All right, it says, Crucifixion was a Roman, not a Jewish form of punishment. So I hope y'all understand this because the Romans, who they were the ones that was in control. This was during the Roman captivity, and this is what the Romans did. They crucified people. Once again, it says crucifixion. Crucifixion was a Roman, not a Jewish form of punishment. It was unusually perceived. I'm sorry. It was usually preceded by scourging, like we just read about. You got beat first with the cat nine tails. So this was a normal thing that they did uh, in the ritual of crucifying people. It says, which carried out throughout, I'm sorry, which carried out thoroughly, left the body a mass of swollen and bloody flesh. The Roman soldiers crowned Christ with a wreath of thorns, mocking his royalty as king of the Jews and placed upon his cross an inscription in Aramaic, Greek, and Latin, Leas Norazidas Ald Eram. This is uh, Latin, y'all. I'm sorry. I'm butchering it. Whether or not Christ was a revolutionist, and it basically says king of the Jews. Read on. It says whether or not Christ was a revolutionist, he was obviously condemned as one by the Rome. I'm sorry, by Rome. So this says whether or not he was a revolutionist, you know, like revolutionists that we've had amongst our community, such as uh, Marcus Garvey, what they call a revolutionist. Um, Che Guerrero was called a revolutionist. Those people. So Christ was the same thing, man, a revolutionist. The brothers, the Maccabees, were what? Revolutionists, because we were in captivity, and they were revolting against the society at, 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 that had the upper hand on us, the society that was in control during the time of the Greeks. So they're saying, it says whether or not Christ was a revolutionist, he was obviously condemned as one by the Romans. So this is the Roman point of view. It says, the matter so. A small crown such as could gather, I'm sorry, let me slow down. A small crowd such as could gather in Palestine's courtyard had called for Christ's execution. Now, however, as he climbed the hill of Golgotha, he was followed by a great crowd of people, says Luke, and of women who beat their breasts and mourned for him. Quite clearly, the condemnation did not have the approval of the Jewish people. So y'all see this, right? Not all of us wanted to kill Christ. Not all of us respected the decision 
of the Sanhedrin Council, which uh, was uh, run by the Pharisees and scribes, not all of us respected the decision to put Christ to death. All who cared to witness the horrible spectacle were free to do so. The Romans, who thought it necessary to rule by terror, chose for capital offenses offenses by other than Roman citizens what Creole called the most cruel and hideous of tortures. So to be crucified was the most cruel and hideous of tortures during uh, the Roman reign. And our people knew this. Our people knew this, man, but this just shows how much hatred that we have for Christ. It says the offender's hands and feet were bound, seldom nailed to the wood. So it says sometimes they would do it, which goes right according to the scriptures. It says a projecting block supported the backbone or the feet, unless mercifully killed, the victim would linger there for two or three days. I hope y'all listen. It says unless the victim was mercifully a mercy killing, they would stay there for two or three days. It says suffering the agony of immobility, they couldn't move, unable to brush away the insects that fed upon his naked flesh. Now they saying insects. But you know damn well it was buzzards. It was buzzards and vultures eating on the flesh of these people that were crucified. It's because that's what that's what they look for when they fly in the sky. They looking for roadkill or anything that's dying. They looking for a meal, y'all. And they have those keen that keen vision to where they can locate this from uh, miles on high. It says, and slowly losing strength until the heart fell and brought an end. It says, even the Romans sometimes pitied the victim, offered him a super fuel, fueling drink, a stoop, a stoop, a fueling drink. I know I'm probably butchering that too. So they would offer him a drink. Now, you remember what Christ said they offered him, the uh, vinegar, right? And then I read other reports said that they would give uh, the victim sour wine. It says, the cross, we are told, was raised at the third hour, i.e. at nine in the morning. So this was nine in the morning when Christ was put up on the cross. Mark reports that two robbers were crucified with Jesus and reviled him. Luke assures us that one of them prayed to him. Of all the apostles, only John was present with him, uh, with him, where three Marys, Christ's mother, her, sis- her sister, Mary, and Mary Magdalene. There were also some women watching from a distance. Following the Roman custom, the soldiers divided the garments of the dying men, and as Christ had put had but one, they cast lots for it. So the Romans would strip the clothes off. But Christ only had one garment, so they auctioned it off. Possibly we have here an interpolated resemblance of Psalms uh, 
the 22nd chapter, verse 18, they, they put my garments among them and cast lots upon vestures, upon my vesture. The same Psalms begin with the words, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? And this is the desperately human utterance that Mark and Matthew attributed to the dying Christ. Can it be that in those bitter moments, the great faith that had sustained him before Pilate faded into black? So they're saying that um, he had lost his faith in the Most High, he had got weak, so on and so forth. And then this is so, just goes to show Esau's uh, ignorance of the Bible. Because I'm going to read this, check this out. It says, Luke perhaps finding such words repugnant to the theology of Paul, substituted, substituted for them, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit, which, is turn, which in turn echoes Psalms uh, 31 and 5 with suspicious accuracy. A soldier... Pitying Christ's thirst, held up to his mouth a sponge soaked with sour wine. Jesus drank and said, It is consummated. At the ninth hour, at three in the afternoon, so Christ was on the cross from nine o'clock that morning all the way to three in the afternoon. Now remember, he was bloody, beat to a pulp. Dehydrated, stressed out to the limit, and he now he's hanging on a cross from nine in the morning to three in the afternoon. You don't think it was some buzzers or something eating on his flesh, unless the Most High had him chewed away or put the spirit on him not to mess with Christ. It says that the ninth hour, at at three in the afternoon, he cried out with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. Luke adds, again, reviling the sympathy of the Jewish populace that all the people that came together to that site smote their breasts and returned to the town. Two kindly and influential Jews, having secured Pilate's permission, took the body down from the cross and embalmed it with aloes and myrrh and placed it in the tomb. So these are the crises of... Secret disciples that came to get his body. Man, where did I store that? I think I read the wrong page. No, that was right. That was right. I want to jump, though. Um, yeah, let's go back to this article. It says, Jesus' crucifixion, crucifixion described in graphic details by physician in Lee Starbell's book, the case for Christ. Now, I read this article. I'm not going to read all of it again. Let me jump down to the point I want. The doctor explains that Christ's arms would have been stretched six inches and his shoulders dislocated. So he had broken shoulders. It says Starbell notes in his book that Methorel provides explicit details about how Christ died, an agonizing slow death by asphyxiation. So basically drowned in his own blood. That's why I say asphyxiation. And they said he had a heart attack. 
Because remember, we just read that out of the book from Caesar to Christ that the, the victim's heart would give out. So this substantiates what the doctor was saying. The doctor explains that the stress on the diaphragm put the chest into a inhaling position and that in order to exhale, Christ would have had to push up using his painful feet in order relieving pressure on the diaphragm and temporarily exhale. So it's saying in order for Christ to get a good breath in, he would have to push his body up while he's on that cross just to to, uh, to uh, exhale, to blow out the air. It says in doing so, the nail would tear through the foot, eventually locking up against the torso bone. The torso bone is a bone in your, that's in your foot. So the nail would be wedged up against that bone, and then he would have to stand up on it to, to exhale. Horrible, man. This is the, the, the barbarity of the damn Romans. And people run around talking about Christ loves everybody, Christ died for everybody. So he died for the Romans that crucified him too, huh? Ah. Matherell said his breathing motion would go on and on. Christ scraping his shredded back against the corpse wood until he became completely exhausted and unable to push up and breathe. Imagine that, man. Sweat blood the night before. Get up. You get slapped around by Israelites. They deliver you to the Romans who beat the hell out of you with a cat of nine tails. You dehydrated. You bleeding all over the place. Now you got nails to your hand and feet, and you can't breathe. And in order to get a breath, you got to scrape your back against this damn wood and and jack the bone up in your foot even more that the nail went through just for you to breathe. As the person slows down his breathing, he goes into what is called respiratory acidosis. The carbon dioxide in the blood is dissolved as carbon acid, carbonic acid, causing the acidity of the blood to increase. This eventually leads to an irregular heartbeat. So this explains why they say he had a heart attack. In fact, with his heart beating erratically, Jesus would have known that he was at the moment of death which is when he was able to say, Lord, into your hands I commit my spirit, and then he died of cardiac arrest. So it says that he died, one, one said he died of, well, the same article said he died of asphyxiation, which basically means he drowned on his own blood, which is probable because he couldn't breathe, and he was uh, beat to a bloody pulp. So he had external bleeding, and he had internal bleeding. And uh, because of the trauma that he had just experienced and the trauma he was still experiencing on the cross, him having to pull up on that nail for him to breathe like that, 
gave him an erratic heartbeat, which basically sent him into cardiac arrest, man, and then he ends up dying. That's crazy, man. That is crazy. So, y'all, I only got like three minutes left, and I really don't want to go into the second half of the class um, because I would not be doing it justice, man, to get into something and then have to cut it off. But uh, And I apologize, y'all, for going over in the news. I really wasn't trying to go there, but uh, the spirit was just hitting me, man, to go into that article, man, because it is so uh, imperative that we understand um, what's going on in society, man, what's going on with our people and our nation. But uh, I hope y'all got some edification out the class. If y'all got any questions, man, uh, dealing with the topic or any other topic or dealing with the news, you want to uh, go on and get the YouTube links that uh, I was sharing with y'all or the article I shared with y'all, just hit me up, man, at uh, every code 314-482-9110. So while I'm hooking this chat up, man, I'm going to have to uh, learn how to use it and still uh, maneuver on the other side because I got the laptop going and my iPad going too, Rock. So I'm going to have to get used to uh, messing with this chat. But the water for uh, exposing that to me and showing me how to use it. Um, and the water too, I for hooking up the broadcast. The water for everybody listening in, man. Which for today, man? Oh, wait a minute. Nine nine eight four. If you yeah, you still on here? They had a question. I'm gonna put y'all on. I guess you ask your question. Area code two ten. Last number is uh nine nine eight four. You had a question. You on live? You still on here? Hello, hello. 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 Sorry about that. Hello, hello. Can you? Oh, you didn't try to do that? No, I was just <laughs> listening. Class, class is a business. I was just listening. Okay, sis. The water for listening in. No problem, sir. All right, shalom. All right, shalom, sis. Y'all, that's about it for me, man. Um. Until next week, Lord willing, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to please tune in. It's other part Tuesdays, other part Tuesdays, other part Tuesdays every Tuesday. And with that, y'all, I'm going to say shalom. Shalom.